So I don't go looking for money out there. I go looking for problems that have a higher value proposition. Welcome to the Bedros Coolian Show. What's the difference between me and you? Me and you? Me and you? Back when Q was rolling with Lorenzo and a Benzo, I was banging with a gang of instrumentals. Hey, what's happening, friends? Welcome to the Bedros Coolian Show. I'm Bedros Coolian, and today we've got a great show for you. It's all about the monies, everything they never told you about money. Um, but listen, I want to let you guys know if you're watching the show on YouTube, 72% of you are watching and are not subscribed. If I'm adding any value to your world, to your life, if I'm helping you transcend to the 2.0 version of yourself, please do me a favor. One, hit that little like button, the thumbs up button, and two, subscribe so that you can get the notifications and be reminded every time we drop an episode. And all of you watching and listening to this on Spotify and iTunes, thank you so much for the support, for sharing, for the comments. Uh, without you guys, this tribe and this message of self-mastery would not reach the millions that it does. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're watching this and if you've been following me at any, for any given time, then you know recently my mother died. My parents live in Anaheim. I should say now my dad lives in Anaheim. My mom passed away. She had dementia, Alzheimer's for about 15 years. Uh, sorry, not about 15 years, for about seven years. The story I'm going to tell you that took place that was about 15 years ago. Having gone to my mom and dad's house, um, especially as she was dying and, you know, I was by her bedside. I found that on the drive home to Chino Hills, where I live, it's about a 30 minute drive from Anaheim to Chino Hills, that I would, I would go and work out at, at this gym that I was familiar with. And many, many years ago, I would work out there. So it was kind of nostalgic to me. And it was an opportunity for me to just kind of get all that grief and stress out before heading home, right? And of course, the next day, I'd head back to my mom and dad's house and be next to my mom's bed until she ultimately passed a few weeks ago. But that made me think when many years ago, I used to work out at that gym. There's this dude, we'll just call him Ron, like Ron Swanson, we'll call him Ron. He was a big dude, maybe like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, about 300 pounds, and to his credit, he wasn't all muscle. He was definitely fat and muscle, but to his credit, he had lost like 50 pounds already at this point, right, when I met him. Big Ron uh, was a personal trainer there, and so one night I, I went to that gym, and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to catch a workout. Good to see you. How you doing? He's like, hey, I'm almost done with my personal training client. If you want to just hang out a few minutes, um, I'll train with you. What are you going to train? I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna train chest. I was gonna start off with like dumbbell chest presses, right? And so I'm like, fair enough, man. I'll just warm up and I'll wait for you. So I'm waiting for him. He finally finishes working with his client. He comes on over to me. He's like, hey, let's get started. I'm like, cool. All right, so I grab like whatever, 30 pound dumbbells. I'm gonna do another little warm up set. So I grab the dumbbells. I look at the bench. I lay down on the bench. I rep out 15, 20 reps, nice and slow with 30 pound dumbbells or whatever they were, 35 pound dumbbells, racked them up. Then he grabs the dumbbells, lays down, reps out some warm-up uh, reps. And then back to me again, second set. Now we're at 50, 55 pound dumbbells. And then it's back to him on that bench. Now on the third set, which was gonna be my working, one of my working sets, a little heavier weight. As I grab the heavier weights and I go to the bench, Ed, I see that there's this like brown, shiny streak on the bench, bro. And uh, I realized in that moment that wasn't there the last two sets that I did there. And I, with the heavy dumbbells, I think they were like 75 pound dumbbells. I'm holding them with, you know, pressing to my thighs. I'm like, hey, man, did you just like poop yourself? Right. 
And he goes, uh, no, dude, I didn't. I'm like, no, bro. Like, he goes, that was there. It's like a, like a marker. It's like a streak of marker. I'm like, bro, that was not there. At this point, I put down the dumbbells. I'm like, Big Ron, that was not there, bro. Like, something's going on. I would have noticed. And like, that's three-dimensional. A marker would just be flat. That is three-dimensional. It's shiny. And to prove to me that that was a stain that was there, he uses his knee. He's wearing like long sweats. He uses his knee to show me that, look, it doesn't wipe off. And guess what happens, Ed? He fucking streaks the whole thing across the bench. I started dry heaving. I'd like... Bro, I couldn't be there another minute. I was like, bro, you crapped yourself. Before I could say another sentence, he hauled ass to the restroom. By that point, I just grabbed my workout bag. That workout was shot, bro. It was done. And so one of the funny memories in recent times uh, of, of sadness, since obviously with my mom's death and all, guys, you know, you, you got to find humor wherever you can. And, and when you're grieving, when you're mourning, when you're sad, and going to that big box gym that I hadn't been to for like some 15, 20 years, and remembering that story that I almost laid down in another man's poop because he refused to admit that the previous set, he let a little squirter come out. Come on, man, that's uncool. All right, so let's talk about the thing that we're here to talk about, which is money and everything they never told you about money. And I think that society is money ignorant. And when we are money ignorant, we tend to lose money faster than we can gain it. We always find ourselves in debt. You find yourself always trading time for dollars to get money, and you're always frustrated about money. In fact, I think they say the number one cause of divorce is money. And I would say probably the number one cause of unhappiness in life is money or lack thereof. More bills than money to pay, right? Than money to actually afford those bills. I wanna give you guys a story, man. When I, uh, you know, my first, my first association with money, my first realization that money's important we had come to you, the United States. I was six years old in 1980. It was June of 1980. We escaped the Soviet Union, Armenia. We're living in one of the Section 8 housing complexes. It's like an apartment complex. And, um, you know, within a first week or two, within a first week or two, my dad got a job at a couple of places, like at a gas station, a pizzeria. Uh, my brother got a job at the same gas station working a different shift, and he got a job somewhere else. I think he was also painting homes. Uh, my sister also got a job at that pizzeria that my dad was working at as well. And my sister was really unhappy with the owner. He was making very suggestive comments and stuff. And my sister would come home crying to my mom and dad saying, Look, you know, I don't want to work there. We already get paid very little. Like we're getting paid like like less than minimum wage. And this guy is making very suggestive comments and the way he looks at me, et cetera. Like I don't like it. And of course, you know, we're in a place where we're broke, man. We're living in government assisted housing. Like we need every penny we can to scrape together to be able to get out of Section 8 housing. And I remember my dad telling my sister, like, hang in there, hang in there. Just a few more months, we'll get some money together. We'll be able to move out of this place. And every day my sister would come home crying that, you know, I don't want to work there. I don't want what, what scraps of money they give us. But my dad was just like, hey, hang in there. You know, we could do this. And I remember, you know, when you're six, six and a half years old, you feel helpless, right? Like you want to be able to produce money. You want to be able to do something and you can't. And I remember going up to my sister and saying and telling her in Armenian, I was like, hey, uh, when I grow up, I'm going to be so rich that you'll never have to work again. And um, like, you'll never have to worry about working somewhere and having a boss that doesn't, doesn't like you and treat you well. And you know, you'll never have to worry about money. 
And I'm happy to report today that for well over the last decade, maybe even more, my sister has been working for me um, and she just works for me from home and the comfort of her own home. And that worked out well because she was also able to tend to my mom during the last you know five, six, seven years as my mom's dementia, Alzheimer's was getting worse and worse. But I share that with you because my experience with money was like, holy shit, like look at this distress that my family member has to go through because we don't have money to get out of this shitty apartment complex that she had to keep working that bad job that she didn't like in an environment that was not a good environment. And that if I could just get older and make more money, I think that'll solve a lot of problems. And so that was my first experience with money. Now I'm here to tell you guys something. The task I have with this particular episode, guys, is fucking daunting. And I'm going to tell you why, because it is easier to convince someone that something won't work than, than it is to convince you that you're capable of doing something, right? Like it is very, very difficult to convince you that you are capable of doing something. It is a lot easier to convince you that something won't work. Like, ah, oh, everything Bedros says about money is not gonna work. It's really not as simple as he says. Money's not so easily accessible. Like it's easy to convince you that money is hard to come by. It's easy to convince you that money is not meant for you. It's easy to convince you that money is complicated and complex to hold on to and multiply and grow. It is very difficult to convince you that money is actually very simple to attract, to acquire, to multiply. It is very difficult to convince you that you're capable of making a lot of money and doing a lot of good with it. I want you to first understand that money is not something mystical that's only made for some people, but not other people. I used to think that money was for, you know, the white collar people that went to college that that are sophisticated and fancy and drive those fancy cars and that um, it's not for blue collar people. It's not for people who didn't go to college. It's not for immigrants. It's not for people who lived in Section 8 housing. That is a big fat lie. You know, money's not evil. Money doesn't really care. Money doesn't change people. What it does is it exposes people and it amplifies people. If you're a jerk, when you have money, you're just going to be a bigger jerk, a bigger asshole a bigger nuisance, but if you're a decent human being and you're kind to people and you're generous and you like to share what little you have, well, when you have money, you'll be more kind, more generous, and you'll share more of what you have, right? So money is an amplifier. So when you hear you know, people say that you know, money is bad, money is evil, money is wrong, it's not. It's not. The people you're hearing that from are the ignorant, money ignorant people who don't know any better and therefore they wanna vilify money because if they vilify money and tell you, we don't talk about money in this household, right? Because if you're a kid, you ask your parents like, hey, uh, mom, dad, how do I make more money? Go to school, get a good job, and uh, you'll make money. Well, okay, go to school, get a good job, trade my time and my life for dollars, got it. Uh, but is there a better way? Is there any way I can make more money than the growth of inflation? Is there any way I can have multiple money streams, income streams? I don't know. We don't talk about money in this family. We don't, that's not a thing we talk about. It's not proper to talk about money. And actually it is, it is. And I've had this money conversation with Andrew and Chloe, my kids, ever since they were puppies. And I helped them understand that money's not good or bad. Money exposes who you are, is an amplifier of who you are. If you're a good person, you'll be a better person. If you're an asshole, you'll be a bigger asshole. That's really what money does, number one, right? So understand that. Number two, you have to understand that money is value. If you just look at what money is, money is value. It's just an inherent value. And what I mean by that is if you have a job and you're getting paid X amount of dollars per hour or you're getting paid X amount of dollars per year as a salary, that is the value that you've put on your time, on your life, right? 
15, 20, $30 an hour. That is the value that you've put on your time in your life. If uh, I want to buy this pen and this pen is 20 bucks, uh, that is the perceived value that society or whoever has put on this. And if I want this pen, I have to give $20 to get this pen. And if enough of us feel that this pen is worth $100, uh, let's say because somebody famous uses it on TV, let's say Donald Trump signs something and um, with this pen, and all of a sudden this brand of pens jump from $20 to $100, well, what happened? We all agreed that if it's good enough for Trump, it must be a good pen. Therefore, the perceived value of the pen went up, right? It's as simple as that. And therefore, now it's a $100 pen when just last week it was a $20 pen. And that's all money is. It's value. And how you value your time when you're trading time for dollars, right? And if you understand that and you understand that money is exchanged for other values. So other values could be experiences that you have. Maybe you're gonna go watch a movie with your honey. Maybe you're gonna go on a vacation with your family. Maybe you wanna buy a nice car, right? For possessions or a nice home. Like money is value. Uh, if you value a home and you want a home on a big property with no neighbors, that's gonna cost you more. The value of that will be higher. And if you start understanding that money is value and that everything that money touches is value, including the time, that you are giving away of your life in exchange for money, then you realize, holy shit, two things. One, I better increase my own value so I can be worth more. Number two, I better be careful what I buy because soon the possessions that I own will ultimately own me. I know plenty of people that make really good money. I'm talking millions of dollars, but they also have obscene spending habits, multiple fancy cars, multiple properties, multiple. And by the way, you can have multiple fancy cars, multiple properties and use them as an asset to create more money by putting them on Turo, renting them out, by having those properties generate income in the form of rent or Airbnb, right? However, if you have all these empty homes that you're paying mortgage on, now these homes become a money suck. Now you find yourself constantly working, even if you have multiple income streams, even if you have a big company, no one's ever making passive income. Even like Tony Robbins has to lead people and manage people. And even if he has to manage all his leaders, I don't know how many companies he has. Let's say he has 15, 20, 30, 100 companies, right? That means he might have 100 CEOs that he has to manage or 15 CEOs that he has to manage. That means he has money management problems as well. We all do. So once you realize that money is value, then you realize, holy shit, I need to one, increase my value. Two, how can I create more of this money without trading my time for dollars? And that is called linear income. Most of you out there, are now making linear income. Linear income means I trade certain amount of my life for a certain amount of dollars. Money, value. That is, I value this much of my life at this price point, and that is the fair exchange that me and this company that I work for have agreed on. Well, great. That's linear income. That means when you're not working, you're not making money. That is pretty fucking scary, right? There's also exponential money which is the opposite of linear. Exponential is, boom, this thing can hockey stick, it could skyrocket, how? I'll give you an example, right? The best example I can give you is, let's talk about the guy who works at a 
oh, like a music school, like a school of rock. There's a school of rock right here in Chino Hills. For the longest time, we took Andrew and Chloe there to play like guitar and, and piano and all that stuff. So, you know, these instructors worked for this school and they got paid hourly. So let's say they got paid, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour, but we paid maybe $35, $40 an hour for that guitar lesson. So the business made money and that, that person, instructor made money. And if I remember there's probably maybe eight or 10 little rooms that were soundproofed. So if that eight or 10 instructors teaching different things, drums, piano, guitar lessons, at any given time, they might have <clears throat> eight or 10 instructors that they're paying 15 or $20 an hour, but the parents are paying for that same hour, 35, $40 an hour. Well, now the instructors are making money, the business is making money, right? They're making an additional 10 or $15 an hour times eight instructors. So then what does that guitar instructor do? They go, hey, why am I working for dollars? Why am I trading my time for dollars? I can go and start my own job. So that guitar lesson guy goes and, you know, puts out a little ad on Craigslist and social media. Hey, I do guitar lessons here in town. And now he's like, I can start charging $35 an hour. I can charge what the music school was charging the parents. Great. He now no longer has a job. Instead, he owns a job because he now works for himself, but he's still trading time for dollars. Is it better? Yeah, it's a little bit better. I mean, you're making more money per hour, right? You also have the best boss ever, which is you. You're your own boss. However, you're still trading time for dollars, and there's only so many kids you can teach in terms of lessons. Now, that is still linear income, isn't it? It's higher income, meaning your value went up, and you have some level of freedom, meaning if you decide to maybe take Thursday mornings off and sleep in, you can. Whereas when you had the job, you couldn't do that, right? But that's how value is created. You are worth more. Now imagine if that person like started really popping off on social media and YouTube and all these parents here in town are like, man, I want my son to learn guitar lessons from that guy. He's just freaking cool. And because he built his personal brand, he's now charging 50, 60, $75 per hour. That's cool, he's charging double what all the other music instructors out there that work for themselves are charging. Only problem is, while he's charging double what everyone else is charging, he's still trading time for dollars. So he's the richest job owner in town still, right? So what is the next thing this homie can do? Well, what if this guy decided that he's actually gonna create some, record some training videos, right? Like an actual video series that he can put up on teachable.com. And now, since he's already built his social media following anyway, he's built his personal brand. Instead of do, training time for dollars one-on-one, -on -one, just here in the community, he goes, hey, if you don't live in the community here where I am, that's okay. You can now go to teachable.com and get my six-week guitar lessons, six-week piano lessons, six-week whatever lessons for your kids for X amount of dollars. Now, imagine tens of thousands of people are using his service, his education, music education from teachable.com or whatever platform. I'm not endorsing Teachable, and you guys know we don't run any ads here other than promoting my own companies because I know what the fuck is in my own products and my own supplements or my franchise or Fuel Hunt. but um, So I'm not promoting Teachable, but I do know that Teachable is a solid organization. Imagine that you take this guitar lesson instructor and now he's got a course, beginner, intermediate, advanced course, and he's got at any given time 
300 or 500 people constantly buying it and using that course. Now he's making exponential money. Now he's got a secondary income stream that can be scaled, right? So when we talk exponential, exponential means you can also scale that income stream because if he can start growing his brand, if he can start running ads or if one of his YouTube videos or shorts pop off and he gets a couple million followers or, or views from that, now his 300 customers per month can double to 600 customers per month. He literally created more money for himself, right? All while now he can cut down his hours here in town doing the one-on-one -on -one lessons because he's making so much more money here. Money is not this complex thing. It is not hard to get. The reason it's hard to get for many of you is because you have put yourself in such debt by acquiring things. You're like, you buy things that you don't need with money that you really don't have to impress people that you don't even like. And when you've done that enough times or you have like a subscription to Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and 13 different OnlyFans accounts, like you're literally bleeding out money. It doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're making multiple six figures, it's easy to blow through that. I told you, I know a couple dudes who are making a few million dollars a year, their take home, their personal take homes, a few million dollars a year. And you're like, how the hell can they blow through it? You don't understand how easy it is to blow through money if you don't have money discipline. So understand that your relationship, how do you associate with money is a big factor. Some of that might be like hereditary. It might come from your family, right? Maybe you had a mom and dad that are, are money ignorant. Maybe they grew up broke. Maybe their mom and dad had filed for bankruptcy a few times. And so they're always talking about money negatively around the house and your subconscious mind has heard that and you've heard that money's hard to come by. We don't talk about money, money's bad. Every time we get money, we lose money. Money created all, money caused a divorce in our family and therefore I don't wanna make it subconsciously, you don't wanna make a lot of money because you don't wanna have a divorce. Like that is fucking stupid. That is fucking stupid. So then you end up being in this like slave mindset of actually giving away parts of your life First of all, you don't even know how long you're going to be around. I mean, you just assume that if all goes well, you live to, you know, 80, 90, 100 years old, right? But you don't know if you're in the next three years, you're going to die. In the meantime, you're willing to give away parts of your life for a pre-negotiated amount of dollars for time. Are you fucking crazy? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And so you got to understand you can't have this broke mindset that mom and dad gave you, right? You can't have this whole, like, we don't discuss money around the house. No, discuss money. Get money educated. Like, read books about money. Like, one of the greatest places to start is Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Start there. Start there. Great place to start. If you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and if you read The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, now you're breaking through limiting beliefs and upper limits. You're learning how money works. You're watching this episode and you're like, oh shit, okay, linear income, I'm trading time for dollars. I could still do linear income, but be my own boss. I could grow my personal brand and therefore make more money as linear, linear income, but I'm still dependent on myself. If I'm sick, if I'm trying to go on a vacation, I'm gonna be out of money. So that I can either hire people or create a course. Like no one says you have to start a big corporation, a big company. Like no one says you have to start a Fit Body Bootcamp franchise like I did. Right. Like I decided I want to want to go all in on entrepreneurship. That's my sport. I'm at the pro level, like whatever the NBA, NFL, fucking what other sports things, NHL, hockey is hockey a fucking sport or is that just a sport in Canada? I don't know. But whatever the pro levels are for sports out there, like entrepreneurship at the highest level, 
the level that I'm at where I grow companies, scale them, put leaders in, build teams, sell them, merge them, make a lot of money on the buy and sell. Like I fucking love that shit, right? You don't have to do that. You don't have to be at that level to have the financial freedom that you want. I had financial freedom many, many years ago. Now I'm just playing a game because I'm an athlete in a very specific sport, entrepreneurship that I love. But I have financial freedom, sovereignty. I could stop everything now and be good for the rest of my life, like really, really fucking good. And that's a good feeling. But I also realize I love all the people that I work with. Why wouldn't I continue to do this? I love creating content. I love creating companies. I love impacting lives. And so you could go as big as you want or you can go as small as you want because you take that guitar lesson guy that I told you about and you, get, you start fucking creating a course, putting it on Teachable, really sharing your talents and whatever your talents are, right? Like you might be like, dude, I just watch a lot of movies. Great, start reviewing those movies on YouTube. Did you know that if you watch a lot of movies or play a lot of video games in your mom's basement where you got a lot of Cheeto dust in your belly button and your titties are all gelatinous and bouncy that you could still make review videos on YouTube about the video games that you're playing with your pasty ass body. And you could actually start making ad revenue from YouTube if you could articulate some words, string some words together into a coherent sentence where people will watch your YouTube video if you just comb your hair and remove the eye boogers and actually pull your shirt down so your belly button's not seen and actually light the fucking basement up so you don't look like an ogre, you could actually make some money on YouTube reviewing video games or movies or whatever the fuck you're into on your own making ad revenue. And imagine if you got so interesting that your YouTube channel grew that now other companies come to you and go, hey, in addition to the ad revenue that YouTube is giving you, we would also like to pay you $3,000 a month to promote our supplements, our new fucking, do they have joysticks for video games? I don't know, what the fuck it is that you guys do with video games, like little fucking things? Like you could start promoting those things and get ad revenue that way, sponsorships. Like it's so easy to create other income streams and you might even be able to move out of your mom's basement, imagine that. That's a life-changing thing. And when you do that, maybe you get a gym membership, you start working out, you lose a few pounds, you get lean and jacked, you meet a girl, you're like, what's up, girl? And you go on a date, and now you're balling, dude. And you might start a second, third, fourth channel creating more income streams. Like I'm telling you, money is easy to come by. And so let me teach you one last thing about money that's gonna blow your mind that it's also going to be very controversial here. Money is value, we talked about that. And money is paid to people that solve problems. It's paid to people that have a higher perceived value. Now, I don't agree with this, but this is the reality of it. And so I'm forced to agree with it. But a professional athlete who gets paid millions of dollars a year is more valuable than a police officer or a firefighter or an emergency uh, room surgeon, all of which make way less than a professional athlete who's out there just playing a game, playing a fucking game, because you decided that that athlete's perceived value is higher, because you decided to buy their jersey and wear it on your back. You decided to sit in front of a television, watch that athlete run around with the basketball, swing a fucking stick at a ball, kick a fucking oblong ball into some fucking thing. Like, how fucking silly is that? You decided that the perception, the perceived value of that athlete is higher than a cop, a firefighter, a surgeon in an emergency room who can save you uh, when, when a traumatic situation happens. 
So that's how, that's how money works. Perception of value. If you don't know this, next year, February, my Domination Your Coaching program goes up to $250,000. Right now it's $100,000. goes up to $250,000. Why? Because I've built a brand. I'm running out of time. I have more coaching clients than ever. My perception of value has gone up. I am raising my prices to justify the perception of value. So I'm charging a quarter million dollars for a year of coaching with me. There will be plenty of people that will pay that. You get that, right? And so when you have a perception of value, you're like, yeah, but cops should be pay, paid more. They, they stand in, you know, in danger and then they go to like shootings and they uh, firefighters run to burning. I, I get it. I get it. I get all that. But you've decided to sit in front of the television and watch a sports team, and therefore, all those ads are going to run, and some of you are going to buy shit off those ads that you see on TV, and therefore, that ad revenue goes to those sports teams or to those leagues, and some of that money that goes to them goes to the athletes who get paid millions of dollars a year. How unfair is that? But it's not, because that is how money works. Remember, money is value, and you have decided that certain people are more valuable. Like why is The Rock the highest paid actor on the planet? We've all decided that he is more valuable as an actor than someone else, some other jacked up male actor, right? Cool, man, good for him, I love that. Fucking love that. I'm gonna keep raising my prices for coaching. And you're like, yeah, but that's not fair, that doesn't make it accessible to the rest of us and blah, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because this is free. I coach you for free here on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes. I have two prices moving forward, right? Free or $250,000 for a year. That's it. Think about that. I coach you here with this free content on YouTube, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Instagram, on all the social media platforms that I'm giving free content away. I'm giving a lot of great free shit. So you want that higher level stuff, Take advantage of the free stuff I'm giving you. Start stacking more cash. Become more disciplined. Get more lean and jacked. Get more focused. Create the income streams. And then come work with me at the higher level. Right? Because my perception of value has gone up. The rock's value that we've bestowed upon him has gone up. Pro athletes are, are more valuable in terms of money than police officers. I think cops should be getting paid a couple million dollars a year. I think firefighters should be getting paid a couple million dollars a year. I think emergency room trauma surgeons should be getting paid a couple million dollars a year. And I think athletes should probably get 80 to $120,000 a year, if you ask me. But it's all ass backwards because that's the perception of value. So how can you then increase the perception of value? What if you use social media and iTunes and podcasts and, 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 and YouTube to actually build your personal brand, to increase your value, your self-worth? And the other path to making more money is to solve more complex problems. I know that the more complex problems I solve, the more money people are willing to give me. So I don't go looking for money out there. I go looking for problems that have a higher value proposition. Let me say that again as we wrap this show up. I don't go looking for money out there. I never have. I go looking for big problems and complex problems that I can solve that has a higher value proposition that you're like, man, I would pay someone a lot of dollars if they can help me solve this complex problem I have. And I'm like, hey, does your complex problem have to do with breaking that limiting belief or going from a million to $10 million in your business? I solve those problems. 
I can help you. Give me a quarter million dollars. And you're like, fuck, I'll give you a quarter million dollars to take my company from a million to 10 million over the next couple of years, right? That's how that works. Value proposition. There's this secret about money that no one is willing to tell you that I just told you right here and now. So what do you have to do? You have to go and apply this and make more money. The answer is not buying crypto or trying to short the stock market or any of those get rich quick schemes that are out there. I just told you the game plan. If you go and complicated, it's your fault. You're not gonna make as much money as you think you can. If you realize it's exactly as simple as I made it, that money is value and money is attracted to big complex problems, the more complex problems you can solve, the more money you make, Bada bing, bada boom, baby girl. You got it. So guys, thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Bedros Koolian Show. And please remember this, that average is the enemy, that success is your responsibility and change can take place in an instant when you decide to flip the switch. I'll see you guys next time. What's the difference between me and you? Back when Q was rolling with Lorenzo and a Benzo, I was banging with a gang of instrumentals.